the biggest mistake you can make is let anyone put something in front of the word writer. You're a writer. That's what you are. Welcome to Creative Ops, a podcast for creative people. Hey everybody, Christopher Talon here, host of Creative Ops, a podcast for creative people by creative people. I am a creative person. I wrote a novel. It's called Switchers. You can buy it now. I actually have a box of books right next to me. If you go to ChristopherTalon.com, that's Talon with two L's, there's a spot where you can order an autographed copy. Eh, There's also a spot where it'll take you to Amazon and you can just order a regular copy. But don't you want an autographed copy? So anyway, that's the kind of the the theme du jour is my book, but we don't just talk about my book. We talk about Brandon's books, his process, um, and uh, lots of other things. You can catch a lot of his books. He's got a series of books, the Voodoo series, which is a great, great series of books. I've got the first three right now, uh, and he's got a bunch of anthologies as well. I'll have links to all of his stuff in the show notes, please. Please, as much as this show uh, right now is about me and my book, please check out his stuff after you've bought my book. <laughs> All right, Brandon's a good guy. We talk about writing. We talk about books. We talk about our friends and uh, getting your stuff out there, marketing, yada, yada, yada. I hope you enjoy this one because I always enjoy talking to him, not just because he has that uh, really fun accent, but just because he's a good guy. And the accent helps. So thanks for Brandon for coming on, for all your help uh, while I was writing, while I was trying to get published, and uh, all the way through to now. Check out his books, check out my book, and enjoy the interview with Brandon Scott. also going to talk about you again because last time i think voodoo was the only book out in the series right yes okay so since then slight has come out and then the final book it's the final book right you don't have any more with this one no it's it's the uh next to final book so um so what's going on man what uh give me the the reader's digest version of what you've been up to since uh since voodoo came out well I just signed a three book deal with a new company called Silent House. Nice. Congratulations. It's a dark fantasy series. I'm starting it out with a little girl in a castle looking for a witch. And then by the second book, we're into the Salem witch trials. Mm. So, and I've already sent, I sent four chapters of both books. I've done a lot of work on both books. And they were immediately like, yeah, we'll take this now. Okay. So. And uh, the the rights were good, and, and all the stuff, all the legal stuff was good. So I'm happy. Learned some lessons from the from the first time around, huh? That's the most important thing. Don't ever sign away your character rights or anything, because then you don't own them. And uh, yeah, that that leads to the weird stuff. Yeah. But I'm not saying anything bad about my former publisher. They they've been really good to me, and they're sweet as they can be. But uh, when you give away your character rights, you give away a lot. Well, that's stuff that's uh, good to know. Even though I. I'm journeying into the realm of self-publishing. If uh, if anybody ever does see this book and then go, hey, we should sign this guy. It's good to it's good to well, have friends who uh, have that wisdom and knowledge. I'm sorry that you had to get it through unfortunate uh, experiences, but that's well, I'll tell you, if you have learn, right? if you have a good budget behind you for uh, promoting and stuff, you know, self-publishing is where you make the most money. You don't have to split with the party and especially like a lot of small presses are basically self-publishers who've done it really well and gotten to the point where like they've got a reputation behind them and the books that they create well not create but you know what i mean put put out oh, yeah. but uh yeah some of some of these places i remember one place wanted 40 percent of the profits after they put it on kdp so that means kdp is going to take 40 percent 
then there will be sixty percent left over, and of that sixty percent, they get forty percent of that. And I just remember thinking, I don't think that's a good deal, man. Even if I sell half as many books on my own, I'll make just as much money. Oh yeah, and think about that—you get paid once a quarter, so you'd be lucky if you're breaking twenty-five, thirty bucks, depending yeah. on how well they pushed you and got your name out there, and all the work you've had to do on your own to get mm. your book out there. And uh, you'll make more money at book signings. I mean, seriously, yeah. on on a weekend, you will triple, quadruple anything you're making in a quarter just by doing book yeah. signings at conventions. Is there a is, is there a trick? Well, not I mean a trick. If there was, everybody would do it. But what's the? Uh, is there kind of like a strategy that you found in terms of how you present, how you engage people? Because a lot of these things that you go to, you're one of many authors. How do you how do you stand out? Um. Well, what I've noticed, and this is just from my perspective, um, a lot of these guys try to to be fiddling with something while people are there at your table. You know, mm-hmm. it's like they want to be scribbling on. Like you'll see these artists that'll do that. They'll be like, you'll have one person that's handling the money, and this artist is over doodling his little doodle, ignoring the people. You can't be that way. You got you gotta you gotta sell yourself. You, you gotta engage with people. Ask them where they're from. Ask, be very personable. Because yeah. that you, you want to actually be memorable. You know, you don't want to be like, oh, I'm you know one of the many thousands of people they'll meet at a convention. You know, mm-hmm. yeah. And some of the yeah. bigger ones, like I, because you know, COVID shut a lot of things down and, and made yeah, things yeah. tricky. But like one of the last ones I did had a lot of big people at it. You know, it had the entire screencast there. You had. Uh, um, in the other room, you had um, oh, see, my mind blanked out. It was it's just every big horror star you can think of is at this convention. Yeah, so yeah. of course, it, if you're smaller on the totem pole, you're not going to get noticed. You're going to be forgotten mostly. So yeah, you got to really, really sell yourself. Yeah, and you got to pick your spots too because I noticed uh, the comic convention here in Grand Rapids, Michigan. I went to it last year and they had a section of people that were selling, you know, science fiction and fantasy, but it was a very, very small section. It was in the corner and hardly anybody was going over there. So yeah. I remember thinking, man, somebody just paid good money to get a spot here and they, th- this isn't the place to do it. Yeah. It's, I got lucky because I was sitting like adjacent to uh, Jamie Kennedy and Matt Lilliard. So <laughs> I got to be like in a little bit of a traffic area. But, you know, they put you in cubes. And I noticed one thing, too. One thing you're going to find out if you do do conventions, very few people have their own. Like writing a book is like a cottage industry, right? Mm. Everything you do at your office is handmade by you. You know, you're writing the words, you're putting on the page. You have people there that are drawing, making the art. You have people there that are, or I was sitting next to a person that was sewing up these little uh, Cthulhu looking things. It was handmade. But then you have a whole whole bunch of people that are just resale shops like a pier one import for horror yeah yeah it, and it's not really genuine almost you know they're yeah. doing the store trying to make money but you know you're sitting there thinking i put a lot of work into this and usually when you've earned it that way and you worked at it you will do better than those people that are just a resale shop it's kind of it's kind of weird how that was i know that one dude walked over and asked me a question about the money i was making by sunday he was like dude i've made none of that i'm like well <laughs> Yeah. You're sitting there playing on your phone and, and you got a little store, you know, it's. Yeah. You've been, you've been checking your Twitter and playing, playing on apps while everybody's walking by you. <laughs> I thought about crafting this persona of like the guy who sits behind his table with his feet up on the table, playing the guitar. Yeah. <laughs> but I don't know, man, that might be a little bit too cowboy. I don't know. Uh, get you noticed <laughs> right hey i'll play you a song if you buy my book yeah <laughs> bummer i was gonna show you Dude, but... you were the only podcast that i did so it... <laughs> i wanted to show you but you'll just have to take my word for it i did thank you in the back of my book oh yeah here let's see thanks to tj kirk josh jennifer and Brandon Scott for your support and for introducing me to Josh. <laughs> yeah, I talked to Josh earlier. He's hitting. He's like, I got the kids. <laughs> yeah, yeah, dude. He's he's a uh, 
he's knee deep in small children right now. So I had, I bugged him a couple times. He's like, dude, I just can't. <laughs> Thank you for introducing me to him. But what was it specifically that uh, made you want to be like, hey, man, you should have this guy on your podcast? I uh, just his work. I mean, other than his personality, he's very, very chill guy. But uh, I got yeah. to know his work. You know, I was helping put together an anthology early on, and and as soon as I read his story, I was like, okay. And I've seen him all over in you know social media. I reached out to him, started developing a little friendship with him, and and I read more of his stuff, and I read his short story collection he put together, and I was like, okay, this guy is. And he also knew a whole lot more about the industry than I did. I know about the, like the industry part. He knows about the whole self-publishing thing, getting your books together, the KP. I don't know none of that stuff. I rely on the little publishers. I signed up with to do that for me. <laughs> I just, I'm very yeah. low tech. Uh, yeah. But no, I was uh, I was that way until I talked to him because I'd probably still be shopping my book around right now had uh, <laughs> had we not talked because he gave me all the confidence to go and do it myself. And, that, and that's the thing too. He had all this knowledge, and then and. Uh, he's not afraid to share it and you know he he's yeah. really back that way and there's a lot of people that won't they'll be like oh you know i learned the hard way you go learn the hard way but um no and i just figured his personality is pretty pretty laid back figured had fun with him <laughs> yeah yeah well it it worked out man because between uh between the two of you guys just the the support that you've given me some of the leads that you've given me and uh ultimately meeting Josh and then he ended up formatting the book for me. It's all been a very strange serendipitous uh string of events. And a lot of well, it came through the podcast too. It's weird. Well, when you have people work together instead of against each other, you know, you yeah. do that. It, it's, you know, it, it, if if I was looking at you as the enemy trying to move in and sell books where I'm trying something out of then nothing get done. You know, it's you can't do it that way. Yeah, exactly. And I can't remember if we talked about this before or not, but um, looking for like a win-win. I remember when I was in school uh, taking classes to be a teacher, which I did for a little while. Uh, we had this thing where a teacher was like, I'll give you a dollar every time you can, you know, two people pit it against each other for arm wrestling. I'll give each person a dollar each time they pin the other person. And, you know, you got like one or two pins in 20 seconds. And then the teacher was like, all right, now I'm going to show you how I would have done it. He whispers in another kid's ear. They sit down and they just take turns going back and forth and back and forth and back and forth and back and forth. He's like, if you would have done that, you would have each had $50. And, you know, it's kind of the lesson there is you don't have to fight with each other just because you're in a situation where you're up against it. You can kind of lift each other up. Oh, yeah. The only time you fight against each other is when you have to keep it. When you're sitting down crafting the book, you have to believe you're the best thing they are. You don't have yeah. to necessarily fully believe that because, you know, you got to have humility. You can't believe all your five-star reviews and i'm one of those people don't read reviews i just don't because there's just the five stars do more damage than the one stars when you sit down and start thinking i'm the greatest thing then the next thing you write will be awful because you're not gonna <laughs> you're gonna win and 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 you just you got to have a little bit of humility about you yeah. I, think, I think that's the important thing um my my book arrogance is one of the weakest traits a person can have you know it's nobody's better than anybody else we're all just trying to get at it yeah although it's okay to take a compliment sometimes. You've deflected oh, yeah. so many compliments when I've been like, dude, this is really great. Like, oh, no, no, no. <laughs> <laughs> I wouldn't so, say it if I didn't mean it. So just take it and take it and love it, man. It's all love. love. It. Yeah. I mean, it means, it means a lot. It does. I mean, it's not like it's deflated. I mean, it means a lot because, you know, you feel like you're actually accomplishing something while you're sitting there sacrificing time and, and, and stuff like that to get it all done because it takes time and work, you know? Yeah. Don't understand that it's it's work. I mean, you're sitting there and you're grinding out, and your back hurts from sitting, and you it's work. <laughs> How often are you writing? Do you do you write every single day or just about every, every night from six to eleven, and then on the weekends it is. From weekends, it is nine in the morning until about three or four in the afternoon. Huh. Yeah, yeah, and that's uh, that's, and and the one biggest mistake I made for this go around, which is why it's taken me longer to get this book really put together, is I wrote the entire thing in longhand. I did. Ooh. I wrote the entire thing, which was the stupidest thing I could have done. I, I read. No, 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 doing no. That. You just got to find the right way to do it. That's how I do it too. But you can't get too no. far ahead of yourself before you type it out. Yeah, that's 
that was my problem. See, I, yeah. I love doing it with short stories and I love doing it with, and I'll do it with chapters and stuff like that. But I sit down and I wrote about 90, I want to say about 90% of the book in longhand and popping it back has been the most awful thing. Yeah. <laughs> I'm doing homework, you know? And yeah. now I give myself freedom because as I went, I knew that I was going to have trouble with certain sections. So I left myself sticky notes in the book as I went. We're like, you need to expand this. You need to work on this. So I've found a lot more words and a lot more chapters as I went. And it's been more refreshing to do that instead of just copying straight out of a book. Yeah, but yeah. it's one of those things where after about an hour, you're like, I went nowhere. because I'm having no fun with this. <laughs> but yeah. uh, that'll be the last time I write a full novel by hand. I just won't do it. Um, I like writing by hand. I have, I have the pens and stuff. But Yeah. Uh, yeah, you get the fancy pens too, man. Yeah, ends with the special inks and everything. Yeah, yes. Been doing that for a while, and it, it, it was funny because when I saw that Neil Gaiman thing, I'm like, I've been doing that already. Do it different every day, and I, I was already. I'm like, well, okay, maybe I'm onto something. But then <laughs> writing the whole book by hand was like, <laughs> that was fun when I did it. I thought I was doing like, I felt like I was very Dickensian, you know? Like I was like, I need a candle and I need to be mm. quilling this out, and then on the top back, I'm like, oh God, what did I do? <laughs> Dickens got paid by the word too. Do you know that? Yeah, yeah. That's yeah. why sentences were long, and <laughs> that's why. Yeah, that's why some of it's a little thick to get through sometimes. But <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I can make this sentence longer. I'm sure I can. Yeah, yeah, dude. Oh man, you look at some of those older. I remember reading a lot of books from uh, around that time period. And it was just comma, 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 yeah. comma, 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 and a half a page sentence. Yeah. Yeah. To say, to say almost nothing, to be honest. <laughs> but moving wow. forth, not withstanding such with as to so for, like, yeah. you don't need all that. And he was hungry. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Tell me what you're working on, uh, like to the to the most that you can, right now. Do you, you've got a fourth book in the Voodoo series coming eventually? Is that in your head? Is it written out? Is it? Finished? I have a handwritten out section, and I've topped up some sections. I've got a lot of notes. I've got it. I don't like to plot things, but I knew that the space of time was going to be so long that I need to have something to fall back on. So I've written large sections, and, and I've got a little bullet list of how I need this to go. I've already wrote the ending. I've written the ending to the book. And then I've also wrote the ending to the series. And mm -hmm. I've already let two people read that that were knew my series real good. Yeah. And one girl cried. She said Aww. this, because it was one last final sentence I put on there. And she goes, you did that. And I said, you know why I did that? And she goes, I know exactly why you did that. There's no way it's mean. I'm like, well. <laughs> <laughs> so, so basically what I did, I did that on purpose with, you know, you kind of like guessing where you're going, but. I knew yeah. in the series, I knew where it needed to go because I knew the lapse of time I was going to have to work on it. And so I'll probably kick up that probably 2024, maybe late 2024 is when I'll pick that up. Yeah. Maybe get going on that. I've already wrote the opening scenes. I wrote big, massive scenes that need to happen at some point. And then I wrote them. Does it bug you having the idea in your head just knowing that you are got to sit on it for a minute or... Have you been keeping yourself plenty busy with other stuff too? I've been keeping myself plenty busy. Um, I really do. I need, uh, honestly, though, I needed a break from Jack's world and, and, and the world of plot. And it's all the same thing, you know. It, it's going to come back to a circle. But I, I needed, I needed a break from that because that's all I was allowed to think about for a little yeah, while. Yeah, you just needed to do something different, right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, Slot was such a huge book originally that it, it took up about a year and a half to write, and oh, then really? when they split it. Uh, now, what you're seeing is the split version. So basically, that in Carnal Phantasmagoria was one book. Okay. And yeah. that one's like, I, I don't have it right in front of me right now, but I've still <laughs> so I got the Uno card sticking in there somewhere. But that one's even thicker than uh, the other two, isn't it? Uh, it's a little bit shorter than Slot. Slot's the biggest one. And because we had, we had to find a, a stopping point. And then I had, I had to add another like 20,000 words to, to, to yeah, the third book to get it. I gotta list. look at the back of this book and figure out because I was trying to remember right before we started where slight ends and where carnival begins. It's literally when I when I chopped the book 
you know, section to make it, you know, yeah. to, to, to suffice to what the publisher needed. It literally was the next book in the book. You know what I'm saying? Like, you know, you'll split a book down like book one, book two inside of the same cover to cover. Mm-hmm. And that was literally my spot where I was like, okay, this is a good point to just lead into the next thing. Did you and just it, not want to have a gigantic monster of a book uh, the, for logistical the, reasons or? It wasn't my end. I was, I was, I would be honest with you. I was kind of like, well, I was fighting it a little bit. I was the publisher. They didn't feel they could make as much money on such a big book. What yeah. cost was to print it? And, they thought, and then the reader investment when they see a bigger book, some people kind of back off. And the thing was, by splitting it in half, it fulfilled my entire contract. Ooh. Then the third book got sufficed, and yeah. I didn't, I didn't sign up again. I didn't re up my contract with them, so I just chose to let that ride. With all the stuff that you're working on and ideas that you have, are you going to try uh, going after a literary agent at any point, or are you? firmly in the small press world right now i you know i might try an agent later on yeah the problem is i have a i had a friend and uh, i don't want to say his name because we went under uh, a name all the other stuff but he didn't have a problem with his press he got picked up by an agent this is about eight years ago mm-hmm. and his book got got bought by one of the big five and i want to say it was mm-hmm. simon's George, to be honest with you. i want to say that's what it was uh, a random house just a long yeah. but he turned in his book okay about a year and a half later they decided to publish it because that's how slow that process goes yeah and then and then he was they 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 published they i don't know what i'm trying to say they they, they pushed him for about a month let's just say they had him on contract for about a month his book didn't sell that mm-hmm. good the stores returned all their copies you know that's how that works and yeah. dropped him so basically he was like i did all this to basically be a self-published author again because now i have all these books sitting around that i have to go push myself because now they're mm-hmm. out of the stores and and all return copies and he yeah. didn't feel he told me he didn't feel it was worth it. he said i he said it, it was more of the hop rather than the actual tangible of what came out of it. He said it was just i have this nice book that didn't sell yeah <laughs> it's the idea, the idea of a big publisher is nice, you know, access to the best uh, marketing, the best cover artists, all the, all those kind of things. But they said they marketed him for a month, and then when his book didn't sell after that first month, or the numbers were low, they dropped it. Yeah, well, I guess they're looking for that. Uh, the next big thing, yeah. That next instant success, you know, <laughs> the next carry, the next uh, whatever. Yeah, so it's, it's kind of honestly signing with the small publishers is more of a comfort zone. I feel. Yeah. Um, you know, the, the one I'm with right now, Silent House, they're letting me work them on pace. They're not really giving me a hard deadline on the book. They want it to be as good as it can be. Um, which I well, you've you've earned pace. a little bit of respect in the world too. You got you've got several things out: novels, short stories, anthologies like that. People probably are taking you, you know, more serious. Like they don't need to hold your hand either, you know. No, and see, I'm part of an anthology coming up that Silent House is putting on, and uh, I sent them a story they like, and it's got some big names in it. It's got some, got some bigger people in it. Uh, I, I will tell you one, because he already announced it, but it's Philip McCassie. Nice. Um, he's in it. Um, hey, Marcelo's going to be in it. Yeah. Um, yeah, he's in it. Um, uh, Gwendolyn Kisty, she's a Bram Stoker winner. She's going to be in it. Uh, Lisa Quigley just got nominated for a Bram Stoker. She's in it. It's going to have some bigger names in it. Yeah, they're all clout. Uh, Michelle Lane's going to write the board, what I understood, and she's a Bram nominee. Has have the anthologies? Because I've I've never even submitted for one or been asked to submit anything for one. Do you find that that is a good tool as far as promotion goes? Because I know some people uh, have kind of varying degrees of love hate for those. It, it does. It carries weight if, if, if the anthology was well received. You yeah. know, if it, it's one of those that got published and vanished, then it, it's hard to, hard to say. Who you get published with matters. Um, I'm very picky who I get published with. Um, it, it matters. It carries weight. Yeah, more awards that a person that you've been published with wins the better. <laughs> that looks really good, too. <laughs> uh, that, that other one we had, Ramsey Campbell did the board, and um, he was very nice. And Oh, yeah. Did 
I saw in the I saw in the some Twitter comments. It looked like you were going to get a signed copy of a book from him. Uh, that other dude. I, I oh, that, that was the other dude. Yeah, he's getting a signed book from. Him. He's over there in England. I wouldn't be able to unless he comes over here. <laughs> yeah, which but you no, never I, know. Maybe he will someday. Midnight Sun was the very first one um, that I read outside of the big three. You know, the King Coots and, and yeah, Ross. yeah, yeah. And it really opened me up. It opened me up to like, there's more out here than that. And I was like, well. 13 at the time. It was like, I was like, okay, other people. Now, then, then I learned who Robert McCammon was. And I was like, okay. Yeah. Okay. I don't, I was trying to think of a metaphor and I was going to say like fast food, but I don't want to call the <laughs> the authors who I love fast food because they're not. But uh, Stephen King. Yeah. Because it, it, calling it fast food, it would be insinuating that the quality is not there. The quality is there. But yeah. Well, he, he said in a quote that his, that his, his work was the equivalent of the Big Mac and fries. He said that. <laughs> you see the sex man. So yeah, maybe that maybe that does work then. Oh. Talking about Stephen King, we go into a really dark place. Yeah. <laughs> oh. Well, you gotta tell me about your book. You gotta talk about that. Well. Switchers is a sci-fi, spooky, fast-paced adventure novel, and uh, yeah, it got read by a couple people who I really respect, such as Brandon Scott, Josh Marcella, Jennifer Susi, TJ Tranchel, and you guys have all given me generally positive vibes about it. So, uh, oh, it's really good. Tell me this. Tell me while you were in the process, right? What, what what did you learn while you were writing? Ooh, good. Good question. Probably the biggest thing I learned was if I'm writing and something doesn't feel right, don't just keep going and hoping that it'll smooth itself out. Go back, figure out where it didn't feel right and readjust because I ended up throwing away like 90 pages that I just forced myself to write before I was like, this isn't working. (laughs) And I retraced back to where it went off the rails and started over. That's good. That's good. Yeah. That's good. And also... Maybe trust your intuition because I shouldn't have forged ahead that far <laughs> on uh, on a story where I'm like, oh, maybe I'll get it back again. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> and when young people come to the booth, I had a couple that did that. Um, and I said, well, there's two things you're going to figure out. One, that writing is not some mystical thing that only a few people can do. And two, right. you're good enough. Mm. You'll always be good enough. You're, 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 you don't need to think that you're the best but you need to know you're doing better than other people you've read. So yeah. You're good at- yeah. It's like, uh, somebody told me before I went to boot camp, a guy that had been in the Marine Corps years before I was like, I'm really nervous about boot camp. He goes, why lesser men than you have made it through all the time. I was like, Oh, and I, I kind of think take that same approach to, uh, to writing and putting my stuff out there. Like, Oh, what if people don't like it? Like, well, it's definitely not going to be the worst book anybody's ever read. Yeah. When I was young and I was writing a lot, I was writing all the time, but I had, I started, I had sent a story off to, but if Simon and Schulster was the parent company of this place, and I had developed a little bit of a back and forth with one of their big editors. Mm. And, but that's when, you know, but then life got in the way and I ended up stepping away from writing for a while. But it, you, I read a book. And I remember this was during that period after I'd stopped writing for a bit. And I'm not going to say the name of the book in case it gets, but it was a, let's just say it was a Friday 13th novel, right? Novelization. And it was so bad. (laughs) (laughs) And I'm sitting there holding this book and it's at a convenience store. It's in the little spin rack. And I'm like, this thing got published. I mean, someone actually thought this was a great idea. And, and, and I, you know, about three quarters of the book, because I, I, I sit there and I, it was enough where I was reading it. And it was so bad I had to keep going because it was so far fetched, even though probably 13th is a far fetched thing, but it was just so <laughs> like, nuts for that. And I'm like, I, I'm doing better than this right now in my room. I mean, I'm not, like, you know, yeah. it's like, yeah, uh, there's no way. And that, that, that's all, that's all you really need. You need that one good push to say, well, you know, I can't do worse than this. So, yeah. And this thing yeah. has a publisher and a cover, and this guy's probably got an agent, you know. <laughs> so, oh, yeah, well. man, it's a weird world out there. 
if uh, if you don't have an MFA and you don't have several works published already, it's uh, it's it's tricky getting out there. Yeah, but you, and the and the bad thing is you don't really need to know that. What you need is life experience. You need, yeah, you need knowledge under your belt. You need to understand how people talk. You know, you need to be even if you're introverted, you need to be able to talk to people and communicate and understand. Here's how sensors are, are structured when people say them. Here's how here's how people talk when, you know, they're from a certain area. This, this mm-hmm. you know, a lot, of, a lot of my characters have this southern way of speaking because that's just where I am, you know. Yeah. Well, I was going to say, especially Cajun Spice over there, but he's he's deep south. Yeah, I, that was based off a guy I knew. Um, <laughs> not Jack himself, but the way I, I, I met a guy when I was in college who got pushed up here after Katrina hit. And he had been up here, so after a bunch of years went by, about five or six years, he started blending our way of speaking up here in the mountains with Cajun. So he had a kind of cadence to the way he talked and the way he structured his words. And I kind of, I did everything I could to throw that into Jack's voice. Because it was so unique. His voice was, that dude's voice was so unique. And it was smooth, too. So it was like, yeah, that was pretty cool. And I was like, I got, and when I started figuring out who Jack was, I was like, uh, he's got to be able to talk that way. There's no way around it. You know, some of the things that you're saying, I remember we talked about a little bit, and I wanted to ask you if you still use the uh, cemetery method for coming up with names for characters. I do. I do. Uh, it's been a minute um, since I've done it, but yeah, that that's how I do it. And that's what, that's the names come out of my book. Yeah. Uh, like uh, the main, one of the main characters in this new book I'm writing, uh, she goes by Pender, P-N-D-R. But her full name was Pendergrass, which was the last name on one of the tombstones. <laughs> so I was like, that's cool. Yeah. You never hear that. <laughs> you know? Yeah. And it's always fun when you come up with a little nickname, too. I got a character with a nickname. But if you ever do this, if you ever do the cemetery method, the older, the better. The older yeah. the cemetery, the more unique the name, the more. Oh, yeah. There was one uh, just a couple blocks from where I grew up that was the. Um, there used to be. They called it like the sign says that they called it the county poor farm or something back in the 1800s. And all the people that died there would get buried in this little now landmark, historic landmark thing. And half the tombstones are so weathered, you can't even read them. Yeah. It's always super creepy. We'll find some good names. <laughs> yeah. I bet you would too. What do you got going on? Are you scribbling anything right now? Yeah. I'm working on a, another like kind of paranormal thriller, I guess girl that has a uh, paranormal abilities but only in her sleep and then uh, it also involves a, a rural cult in northern michigan Ooh, a real a real cult um it's based loosely on uh, a christian sect that's native to a certain county in northern michigan but mm-hmm. i i take quite a quite a few liberties <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. You have to, they get mad at that. even even though they're doing crazy wild things they get mad when you pick on yeah so i'm already i'm already sure that if i if i do build an audience with this first book that i'll have some people that'll be like hey it sounds like you're trashing religion with this book i'm mad but oh well and i'm not either you know i'm trying to well, make honest I'm, statements about things and when you're being honest there's good and there's bad well that was you know also that was my fear when i put out voodoo was that oh really i jumping all over me over it Oh, yeah, because even people will get on, uh, like, Harry Potter. They're like, oh, Harry Potter, we're Christians, and we don't read about magic. Like, really? Yeah, I try to be as respectful as possible I could to the voodoo culture. I use the real things they use within it, the real gods they use within it. Yeah, it's all amazingly well-researched from what I, you know, because after we talked about how you didn't really make these people up, you just kind of gave them personalities, is yeah. when I went through and started looking them up, and I was like, holy shit, this guy could probably like write a nonfiction book about the culture i had to do a lot of studying remember you you do all that work leave most of it out you know yeah you just, yeah that's for, you, that's for you to know um, just to build a world that you can then go and describe to yeah. the best of your ability but it's never I mean, all quite leaves people jump on jk rollins for, for all that but the one thing one thing she has said that does ring true is that it's best if you feel like the author knows everything yeah even if they tell you everything you have the confidence to know that they know what they're talking about and that's you know 
that's yeah. a true statement. I mean, yeah, that makes sense. If you're getting, if you're going down a, if you're going down a river with a tour guide, you want to see somebody that's got confidence on their face. <laughs> and that's the one thing. I mean, I don't like I said, I don't read my reviews and nothing like that. But I, I was, you know, a couple of pointed some things out. But nobody's really, no one's really said anything about me getting anything wrong. You know, no one's attacked me for like, oh, you you said this and that, and that's not right. I think I researched it to enough to where people it's believable as far as what they do how they act how they would act um yeah i'd they, call like, that a compliment barbing, by omission <laughs> yeah barbing court i think it's barbing court rum it's only specialized to do uh papa sandy i was like i had to put that in there yeah. <laughs> <You know? laughs> man that's a fun series i can't wait to finish uh carnival but then how far are you into it well, I wish I knew because I have, like I said, I've got the uh, the Uno cards sticking out there holding my place, but not very far. I'm still in like the first third of it. You like it so far? I love it so far. And I'm... I don't think it's got bad. So I, think, I think you're still where it's kind of loose. Well, I'll, I'll call you when I actually finish it and I'll let you know exactly what I think of it. But um, yeah, man, you're... Your writing is great. The characters really drive the story too. You know what I mean? It doesn't feel like there's somebody, you know, behind the curtain who's just got an idea and they're trying to force it down your throat. It it really feels like uh you know, evolution in real time in a in the best possible way when I say that. I appreciate that. That that took me a long time to figure that out. And it it comes down to people watching and listening. listening yeah. how talk, listen how they they convey their thoughts and, and don't have to, I don't know. I, I just, I just, it's a movie in my head and I'm just trying to top it down. That's all. Yeah. Doing. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's what I've heard a lot of writers say in, you know, in one way or another, it's just kind of, you have to see what you're going to write and then, you know, explain what you're seeing to people. <laughs> yeah. This, uh, this new anthology, I wrote a story for it and I wrote it. Now here's the deal. I wrote it in one night by hand i hmm. wrote the entire night and it was like automatic writing it's like I, I didn't even realize i was and it's the first time i've ever told a story in first person and it's uh it, it's 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 a vampire story but it's not i use vampire as a vehicle to ask the question is immortality worth it hmm. and it's a story that travels through the years and the, and the ages and and uh i wrote it in one setting Wrote it by hand, paper, wrote it all out. The next night, Ooh. I popped it all in. It about 4,400 words. I'm like, last night I sat down and wrote 4,400 words by hand. <laughs> no wonder no wonder I couldn't move my hand an hour after that. Uh, yeah, and, and, I was going to say automatic writing and vampire story. I'm just imagining you, like, waking up on the floor next to a notepad and a pen with, like, blood on your shirt <laughs> with a whole finished story. Like, what happened? Yeah, wrote, wrote it in, in an ink called Vampire Red. <laughs> like I said, it's a loose, it's a loose vampire story. It's mostly about character, about people, and how they interact and, and go through the ages. And uh, sounds... Marcel read it. He got to proof. Christine Christine McCarthy read it, and she edited it immediately. She's like, "Okay, this is great. We got to fix all this." And I've never wrote a story for a person before. I've never wrote one, and I didn't know how apparently because. She had over 200 edits. So <laughs> 4,400 words. Course, she's like, you're, you're switching tenses here. You're switching tenses here. You're switching tenses back. I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. That's a... And then Marcella, Marcella read it after that. And he said it stuck with him after he read it. He thought it was great. So I'm like, okay, maybe oh, I'm That's, that's yeah. awesome. And editor Coming from a writer who, who leaves sticky images in your mind. Yeah. And so the editor contacted me right before me and you started this call. And she said it was very, very all caps. Very good. So I'm happy about that. Because it's one of those like clear points. You're not in control and the story is telling itself. And it's yeah. very rare you get this. Yeah. yeah I... course of, you've sat there, you've sat there during the course of a novel and you're like, okay, let's do it. And it's not doing it. <laughs> it's, yeah. It's making yeah, it happen. I've, I've sat down and just started like free writing going like, I could do this. I could do this. I could do this. This could happen. Maybe I'll do it. And then eventually maybe I'll get an idea or I'll just kind of like, uh, what do you call it? Bullet point out an idea that I'll do the next day instead. 
Uh, how'd you do it? Did you, did you did you outline or did you just go for it? No, I just went for it. When I first started, I tried outlining, but I immediately was like, I don't like the way this feels. And you somebody will. else was like, Yeah, you sh- you shouldn't do that. And I was like, Yeah, I'm 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 gonna just go for it. You'll write more words on outline than you will the book if you, if you go for it. <laughs> if you really go for an outline, you will end up tearing this page up, redoing it, writing a grid, trying to figure it, and, you, and you'll write more words than the actual story. Yeah. And that's not like I, I put a loose bullets. I'll just do like some bullet points mm-hmm. before, right after I shut down for the night of what I try to get to the next day if I can't. Yeah. Because the story's still fresh in your mind. The next day, once you start up, the characters do what they want to do, and you're like, okay, well, Will you guys at least please get to bullet number three? Because I think that'd be pretty cool, you know. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, I I love that when uh, I'll finish up and I'll set like, oh, make sure that when I come back that this this and this happens, or that this person goes and talks to this person, and then you, like you said, you'll sit down the next day and go, no, 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 no that person's not going to talk to this person. They're going to go talk to this person instead. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I always write with the ending, like, and, and that was the one thing that really cleared me up was when I started have an idea of where I want to end but the, the final thing or or like a real cool last sentence sit down know where you want to go and then go there yeah and, and I try to start it all with character try to try the character I think the books that start with character are usually the best yeah yeah same and I I usually find an idea for a story when I'm just kind of tinkering around writing and then I stumble on like hey this character is pretty cool and you know, I'll look at what I wrote for him and go, "Well, that's not right, but that character's cool. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stick with that character and see what, see what they end up doing." Yeah, the first draft's the most fun. That's when a character springs up out of nowhere. And you're like, "Well, you know, he wasn't here before, but he's here now." <laughs> yeah, see what you he say does. fun, but it's also it's almost kind of cringy when you go back and you look at like a very first draft of something after it's done, and you're like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, I've done that, especially with early work. Yeah. Uh, it's like this last story I just had published was in that Dead Unleashed, and uh, yeah. that was a zombie story. It's the first time I ever wrote one of those, and I started it. I started. I had the title, and I started it 13, 14 years ago, I think, on a piece of cardboard from work. <laughs> and then when they invited me to the anthology, I'm like, oh, I got an idea. Let me go dig this out. And I had to dig through the stuff, and I found it. And I'm like, hey, you know, that's immediate dopamine hit when you find the thing. You're like, ah, and then you sit yeah. down. And then I wrote the story, and um, everybody seems to like it so far. But uh, but you don't know where the things are going to come from, you know? I mean, that's something I wrote on a yeah. piece of cardboard 15 years ago. Yeah, 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 for sure. You know, about that. Sticky notes are your friend. Sticky notes are your friend. That's yeah, right. You honestly don't know. You'll write something on a sticky note, a clever thought, and you'll put it somewhere. And then three years later, you'll be like, well, I can tie this to that. Yeah. How was I smart enough to know that then? You know? <laughs> Yeah, all of a sudden your neurons just start shooting like crazy. Oh, yeah, yeah. And you're, and you're like Nemo pop organ. You're like, do it. I, I just want to go back to something else that you said too before we start kind of wrapping it up here because I said I want to try to keep you under an hour. We talk all day. It don't matter. <laughs> well, you had talked about you're writing a quote vampire novel but it's not really a vampire novel you're just using that as a vehicle to kind of get into something that was a short and, story i wrote oh yeah i'm sorry i'm sorry short story i wrote a novel that people are saying oh it's a sci-fi book he's a sci-fi author and i don't feel like i am and i feel like the only thing about this book that's sci-fi at all is that there's time travel but that's a pretty big one so you can't be like nope yep. it's not sci-fi at all because there's time travel in it you can make is let anyone put something in front of the word writer you're a writer that's what you are you're not a horror writer you're not a sci-fi writer you just write and the moment they start saying you're this you have to go through torment to get out from under it you know i started out see i'm I'm topped as a horror writer i'm an active member of the horror writer association i vote on the brand stuff i don't know if i've ever truly wrote horror like far you know straight up a horror story most of it has sci-fi yeah. elements has supernatural you have horror scenes dark fantasy most you know it's not i've never like just i mean the opening right. i would say the opening scene of voodoo is hard yeah. <laughs> yeah that was just I, but i, I mean that's scenes. that's pieces of it it's not strung throughout the whole thing where you're constantly building fear and anxiety and toying with people that way i think when you do that you lose character 
I, I think I, I'm not I'm not big on splatter, splatter door mm-hmm. splat hunt. I think door for the sake of door will pull the reader right out of the story. And yeah. the readers that say it don't, or I don't know what they're, what they're thinking because <laughs> big like big huge text scenes. I don't write those because if it's not handled in in a, in a way, it rips you right out of the story. Yeah, you know, especially if it's misplaced or if it's too much of something or. Like gore, I just, I, I, I mean, I wrote gory things. I wrote a child's game. That story that was the twenty-five gates of hell. That was, yeah, that yeah. Was a gory. That was a gory story, and it really, I cringed after I read it back to myself. I'm like, this is awful. Nobody's gonna want to read it. And oh, I like, thought that. I actually read that story. That that story was great. Oh, you liked it? See, rookies like yeah. he's like, you know, it's gonna go number one in the book. I'm putting it as first one. I'm like, okay, so you got Brian Keen in this book, and you're putting my story number one. What? Why? <laughs> you know, why would you do that? You got, you got all these other people. You know, Marie Lanza, and why, why, no, but that's what he did. But I, I felt say, man, don't, don't argue when somebody's trying to give you prime real estate. I know, but there's, you know, it's got a scene <laughs> in it where the mother, and I'm like, oh my God, I wrapped it back. I'm like, no, there's no way I did that. As much as I preach about, I don't like gore and splatter. I'm like, I just, I just did it. Here it is. That, that story needed it. It needed it. Yeah. That's where it went. That's where the characters took it. Yeah. And it didn't feel. Well, maybe it's just me speaking. It didn't feel excessive to me, but you know, I've read, I've read horror that other people have been like, "This was very triggering," and I was like, "I mean, it was intense, but I didn't think it was like, ah, yeah, yeah." I I don't get triggered by things. I just get, you know, like there's some books that have these big, great scenes, and I'm like, that just pulls me out of the story. I'm no longer enjoying, you know, I'm I'm liable just to put it down and go do something else now because I wasn't. Did and now I'm like, this is jarring. Yeah, yeah. what well, is jarring? It's not like it's 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 triggering. It's just at least for me, it's like, it's just this didn't fit. It don't fit, and now it's clunky, or you know, it feels that way. And you're like, okay, oh, I am reading a story. A minute ago, I was hypnotized. Now I'm reading, and I'm yeah, like, now I'm now I'm trudging through this awful experience. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I read a lot of books in my old age. <laughs> Talk about your trip some more. We've talked about me enough. Well, that's half of the fun of having a podcast is you can promote your friends and stuff on it. Um, one thing I'll say about my book is that almost the entire time I was writing it, uh, I was writing it with a note. I'm holding it up again, but you can't see it. That you wrote in uh, one of your books for me on a, on a sticky note that uh, said, you know, here, let me show this to somebody over here at this publisher. And then at the very bottom, it just says, you can do this, B. And I kept that because I was like, you know what? There are going to be some days where I feel like I can't, but he said I can. So (laughs) while I was writing the book, I was uh, constantly, constantly encouraged by your kind words, sir. Because like I said, it's not some mystical dark art that only some people can do. It's, it's, you can tell a story. Yeah. You can do it. And if you work at it, you can start telling better stories. It's not, it's not a, a magic trick. You just got to have a little bit of talent and, and know how people operate to make it believable. Yeah. And be kind of a low key weirdo who listens in but doesn't like act super weird about it. <laughs> yeah. Super weird. You can be that guy. Yeah. I, need, I, need, I need a character that reacts a certain way. I'm going to go cause that situation. <laughs> yeah. I've always said fiction writers are just kind of low-key weirdos who like to like to yeah. voyeuristically watch everybody and see how they do things and come up with stories in their heads about what they were doing 10 minutes ago. And Yeah. My day job yeah. puts me right in public eye, so I'm just sitting there just oh, like yeah. this, and I'm like, yeah. Yeah, that's going in the book. That's definitely going in the story. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it's too good not to sometimes. Oh yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, everybody that's listening needs to go buy Brandon Scott's books that'll be in the show notes. And buy the best book that he's ever read, uh Switchers by Christopher Talon. Absolutely. Yes. We need the sales. We're just lowly riders. That's right. Please support us. We need we need rum and noodles. <laughs> I need ink for my quill. And he needs, yeah, he needs his vampire red ink. <laughs> uh, 
All right, man. Well, is there anything else you want to say? Uh, things that you got going on, things that people can read, catch up on you with? Uh, the only thing, the, the last thing that was just put out was the Dead Unleashed anthology. It's got 30 other authors in it besides me. I'm number two in the book. That's cool. <laughs> it's my first ever zombie story. And I'll try to make sure I get a link to that in the show notes as well. Oh, yeah. It's a big, fat book if you get the physical copy. It's massive. Cool, man. I'm glad that you're out there. You're doing all these things and uh, that uh, there's good people in the world like you. Yeah, <laughs> Marcelo right, will say thanks, but I try. Yeah, right. Don't don't worry about that guy. <laughs> all right, man. Well, hold on for just a second. I'll uh, end the recording here. Goodbye, everybody. Brandon, thanks for coming on. Thanks for having me. All right, everybody. Thank you for listening to that. That's the uh, final installment in the celebration of me and my book, Switchers, which you can get at ChristopherTallon.com or on Amazon. Thanks again to Brandon Scott. Check out his stuff. Links in the notes. See you guys next time. Mwah! Yeah, man. Yeah, man. Weird, right?